0: Welcome to the Island's Christian Church Podcast. We're so glad you're listening with us today. You can worship with us in person in Savannah, Georgia, or with our live stream every Sunday at 10 a.m. Take a minute to subscribe to this podcast to hear a new message every Monday. Thanks for listening. So today we're starting week two of 21 Days of Prayer. So who has been getting the 21 Days of Prayer, anybody? Okay, great. Yeah. So I don't know if you know this or not, but one hundred and one people are signed up for 21 days of prayer. So one hundred and one people. So that's amazing. And so uh, if you are not getting uh, 21 days of prayer, you can actually still sign up because there's 14 days left starting today at lunchtime. And so uh, you can scan that QR code or you can go to uh, islandschristian.info. Just a little bit of a scroll. It says 21 days. Sign up for 21 days of prayer. Click on that. And then it's super simple. Uh, It's so easy. Also, on that 21 Days of Prayer site, if you're just like a person who doesn't really like to sign up for texts or you don't want to get text, you can actually click on the PDF, and if you missed this week and you're coming in late, you can actually click on last week's PDF and see all our prayers we prayed last week, and you can click on this week's PDF, and it'll give you every single day, and you can print them off if you're old school. You want to print them off your printer and use them that way. We totally want everybody to be participating in this thing uh, called 21 Days of Prayer. Now, here's the thing, though. This week, we're going to switch it up on you. Like it's coming. Like we got something coming. We're going to... Today at 12, you're going to be like, oh, they did switch it up. One thing that's going to switch up is you're not going to just get one image. This week, you're going to get two because we have an extra step this week. So the whole dream of this 21 days of prayer is that praying is what we start with. Praying is never where we stop. Can I say that again? So praying is what we start with, but praying is never where we stop. And so... We wanted to start with prayer, so we had, "Hey guys, think about these people you know that are going through these situations. Pray for them." Well, this week we're going to encourage you to actually reach out and make a connection with those people that you know they're dealing with these things, and we're going to suggest some ideas to you. And you don't have to use our idea, but we just kind of suggested the idea to help you come up with a way to connect with people because we want to be a church that's connecting people to Jesus and each other, and so this is what we're trying to do. So. I hope that you're participating in 21 Days of Prayer because I I want our church, all of us, to grow in our commitment to prayer. Grow in our commitment to prayer, to starting with prayer, to knowing that nothing can happen, nothing good, nothing's gonna take place, no growth, no change, nothing without first starting with prayer. And so, I hope that you're doing 21 Days of Prayer. If you haven't started, you missed last week, sign up, start today at 12 o'clock. It's going really, really amazing. All righty. Um, so we're going to continue. Oh, one more thing about 21 Days of Prayer. I almost forgot about this. On that 21 Days of Prayer, islandschristian.info, click on 21 Days of Prayer. This is an important part of this too. There's a little place there that says, tell us your story. And so you can actually like type your name in, your last name, and then you can just write your story. So over the next couple of weeks, if you experience something by connecting to someone or doing something for someone that you've been praying for and you just experience something, we'd love to hear that story. We'd love to just hear how God's moving in your life because we want to get feedback that we're helping you grow in your faith. You see, we're tr- like that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to help everybody grow in their faith, but we don't really know sometimes if we're winning. So if you have a story to tell, we made it really easy, islandschristian.info, 21 days of prayer, tell us your story, It's right there, super easy, all right? Okay, so we're gonna continue this conversation about Joshua, we're actually wrapping it up today, and we're looking at a text that is a famous text. It's, uh, you know, you're probably gonna have heard of it before, it's a text that, uh, is oftentimes on print. You know, you can buy paintings with this text on it. You can buy mugs with this text on it. And I'll just remind you that we're near the end of Joshua's life. Uh, He's coming to the end of his life, and he's gathered up the leaders and the people of this nation. And we talked about this last week, how in his final words, he said, be very careful then to love the Lord your God. Be very careful then to love the Lord your God. And we talked about what it means to love God and to be loved by God. And uh, uh, today we're going to be looking at Joshua chapter 24, verses 11 through 15. So if you want to grab your Bibles and go there or your phone. Joshua near the end of his life is trying to challenge his people to stay faithful after he's gone. And this is the, the burden of any leader. I mean, if you think about it, if you've grown a business, if you've done anything good in your life and you've, you, you get to the end of your life or you get to the point where you're going to resign or you get to the point where you're going to hand it over, man, handing over something you've led is incredibly fearful, and one of the reasons it's fearful is because you don't know if it's going to stay together, and, and here's the thing, if it doesn't stay together, there's a part of you that feels like, man, I, I didn't lead this very well, because if it depended on me, then I don't know that I did a good job, and so Joshua was doing everything he can to try to tell the people, hey, you need to remain faithful to God. Now that we've conquered this land, and all this has happened, you need to make God your highest priority, you need to serve him above everything else. And the reason that he's coming to the end of his life and he's saying, make God your highest priority, love him above all things, and serve him and give him, surrender your life to him, make him the most important thing. The reason he's giving these words at the end of his life is what he knows about the Israelites and what we all know about each other ourselves is that we tend to trust things for our safety and our well-being that are not God. We tend to trust things that, uh, that we can understand, things that we can touch, things that we can um, you know, uh, comprehend for our safety and for our well-being. And he knows that the tendency of people like you and me is to, is to take things that we can make sense of and to trust them for our safety and well-being instead of something we can't fully make sense of and we fully can't see. We can relate to this. Think about this. Um, when I say trust God for your safety and your well-being, make God your highest priority, there's a part of you that's like, okay, I, th- I think I can do that. I, th- I think I can do it. But if we're honest, we don't really understand what that means, right? We're a little like, well, what does it mean to trust God with all my well-being, to make Him my highest, highest priority, to know that I'm going to be safe no matter what if I, if I give my life to Him and I surrender everything to Him? What does that even mean? It's, 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 it's confusing. We don't fully understand it. But if I said, hey, if you get $2 million in the bank, you'll be safe. Now, do you understand that? You understand that clearly, don't you? Hey, if you find the right husband or the right wife, you'll be happy and satisfied with life. Do you understand that? You see, these are things we can tangibly touch. These are things we can comprehend. If I said to you, hey, if you grew your business big enough and you had enough power and you had enough sway in the community, if you were well-known enough, you'd be safe and you'd have well-being and you'd be protected. Do you understand that? Yeah, you understand that. So we understand things like money and power uh, and, and, and even sex to some extent, relationships. We understand that these things, uh, you know, we, we fully understand them, and we think that these things will give us safety. They'll give us security. They'll give us well-being. And, and when I say, well, you need to trust God, we're like, well, okay, yeah, I trust God, but I don't really know what that means, so I'm going to trust God, but I'm also going to, if I'm honest, I'm trusting these other things too for my well-being. And what happens slowly over time? This happens to believers all the time. It's happening to you right now. Some of you are in the throes of this as I speak, whether you're attending online or you're sitting here in this room or you're listening to this podcast, like you are here, Uh, you slowly, when you begin to trust other things for your safety and well-being, whether it's money, relationships, power, whatever it is, you trust anything other than God for your well-being, what happens slowly over time is you stop trusting God for your safety and well-being. And it's not immediate. Like, it isn't like you walk out of church one day and you know what? I'm not going to trust God anymore. I'm going to go out and see if I can make a lot of money, and then I'll know I'll be safe. No, it creeps up on you like a lion in the dark. All right? And uh, slowly over time, you begin to stop trusting that God is trustworthy. You begin to stop believing that God's going to keep you safe because you're slowly giving your heart over to what the Bible calls an idol. Now, so what happens and what's happening to some of you right now is is you slowly move to begin to trust these other things other than God for your safety and well-being. And then, then it gets even worse. It gets even worse. You slip and slide even further away from trusting God to the point where you live every single day of your life as if God doesn't actually exist. Now, if I stop you and ask you, hey, do you think God exists? What would you say? Yes. But if I followed you around and I watched how you lived your life, and if I could read your inner thoughts and look at your anxiety and worry, and I watched how you treated people, and I watched how you went about your day, would your actions always suggest to me that you actually believed God existed? And so this is what happens is, now I didn't start that way. It didn't, it isn't like you woke up one day and went, you know, I think I'm going to basically be a practical atheist and say, I believe in God, but live like he isn't real. That, that isn't, that isn't just happened like that. What it happens over this slow, tiny little movements at a time. And it all comes down to what you're trusting where it all starts is what you're trusting for your safety and well-being. This is the war for your heart right now. And all of us are trusting something. All of us are tempted to trust something other than God for our safety and well-being. And I can't name them all, but if you ask the Lord, Lord, tell me what it is I'm trusting for my safety and well-being. Is it my job? Is it is it my my spouse? What am I trusting for my safety and well-being? And then the Lord reveals that to you. That is your idol. And an idol isn't something just like, well, I should probably repent of that. No, an idol drags your heart slowly away from believing in God. Slowly. So slow. It's like the frog, right? What is the frog in the pot? You guys ever heard that, right? Doesn't know he's being boiled until it's too late, right? Frog doesn't know until it's too late. This is so, where so many of us are. And this is the the recipe for how people begin to live their lives like God doesn't exist. But here's the good news. In our text today, there's a way to avoid this. There's a way for this not to happen. There's a way to, to keep this from taking place. And I'm going to walk you through it. Okay, so let's read the text. Joshua 24, verses 11 through 15. This is what Joshua said, again, near the end of his life. And um, the beginning of this text, he's, he's speaking on behalf of God. So the first words we're going to read are on behalf of God. So this is God speaking Uh, on uh, Joshua speaking to the people, but it's God's words. Verse 11, it says, Then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. That was earlier in the series. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you, also the two Amorite kings. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. You did not do it with your own sword and bow. Verse 13, so I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Now, this is, this is God saying, look, I've done all this for you. I, 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 we ran the, the enemies out. We gave you cities you didn't build, groves of olive uh, uh, groves that you didn't plant, and you're benefiting from all the thing I've done for you. God God's saying, I did this for you. And then verse 14, Joshua says, now fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Look at all he's done. So last week it was love, be very careful to love the Lord. Now it's fear the Lord and serve him with faithfulness. Throw away your, the gods, your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now he's going all the way back to beyond the Euphrates River. That's all the way back to Abraham's family. Like throw away all the way back to the very beginning of your heritage as a people. Throw away all these idols and serve the Lord. The end of verse 14, verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods, your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. And then the famous line, you know this, right? But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, You go back and you read this whole chapter. God is summarizing what he's done for the people. You should go back and read the whole thing. Summarizing what he's done for the people. And he's coming down to the end here. And Joshua is saying, hey, look, God has done all this for us. In response to what God has done for us, we must serve him. And Joshua tells them that we have to respect, honor the Lord. We have to, he uses the word fear, which carries the idea of honoring, that carries the idea of submission, it carries the idea of like, hey, you are God and I am not. People are always confused by the idea of fear. It's, it's like, it's, it's deference, it's honor, it's submission. It's an awareness that God is God and I'm not. And that's really what all of us are fighting over every single day in our hearts. We kind of all want to be our own God. We kind of want to all be in charge of our own selves. And, and what Joshua was saying is, hey, the first step, the first step in this, in this life of God is to realize that you are not and that there is a God. And that's the first step, man. That's the first step. If you can hear my voice, if, you, if you're watching online, that's the first step for everybody is to just look at yourself and go, you know what? I'm not a God. And you think that's easy. But if you look at your life, a lot of us are living like we are our own God. We call our own shots. We decide what's best for us. Even though our track record has proven that me deciding what's best for me hasn't worked, all that, worked out all that great. So the first step, I'm not God. And then, okay, well, who is God? Find find out who God is. And Joshua says, give him deference, honor, respect. This idea of fearing him. He's the true God. And then Joshua, uh, in verse 15, I want to read verse 15 again. He, He lays out the choice they're faced with and the choice that we're all faced with. Listen to verse 15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose. Can we say that word together? One, two, three. Choose. Choose, make a choice, then choose for yourselves this day. Now go home, pray about it. Don't go home, write a pros, cons list. Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. Now, what he's doing there is beyond the Euphrates is all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to the very beginning before Abram left the Ur of the Chaldeans. And the Amorites is the land they're living in now, okay? So what he's saying is, from ev- every God you've ever been exposed to, from, from, from Abraham's people, your distant uh, people, all the way through your time in Egypt, and every God you've ever been exposed to right now, the gods that, you're, that these Amorites worship, every God you've ever been exposed to, you've got to decide and choose, whether you're going to worship them or them or them or them. Which one are you are going to worship? Or are you going to worship the one true God of heaven and earth? You got to choose. And then he says this famous line, but as for me and my household, what's his choice? We will, we've made our choice. My house has made the choice. Now, here's the thing, friends. This is the choice we all have. Every single person alive. We have this choice to decide that I'm not God. And I'm going to figure out who God is and I'm going to serve that God. And we have to decide that we uh, will serve God and we'll make him priority priority in our life. Or if we're going to serve money, power, sex, ourselves, whatever makes us feel good, whatever makes us feel happy. These are all the gods that are competing for your loyalty against the one true God. And I'm telling you, if you're young in this room, if you're in your 20s or below and you're a teenager, like this concept, if you can get this in your heart, that there are going to be, there's going to be a war for your heart really, really, really intensely over the next five to 10 to 15 years of your life if you're a teenager. And it's going to be waging war. And the single thing that that war is trying to do, you, you know, early 20s college student, the single thing that that war is trying to do is to detract your heart from the God who loves you and gave his son for you. And to convince you that the only way you're going to be happy and the only way you're going to like life is if you do what feels good to you, if you do you, if, hey, YOLO, I got to be me, man. That's the lie you're being told. And I'm telling you, when we got older, and I, I couldn't stand it when people said this kind of stuff, and then I got older, I'm like, golly, I'm saying the same stuff. When we get older, we realize that all that chasing after the you do you, I only live once, I gotta you know I got to be happy, all that stuff led me to bad destruction, man. And 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 I preach because I want to say if you're in that age bracket, I want to say to you, avoid that misery. Don't learn that lesson on your own. Don't don't learn don't don't be determined. Well, I'm gonna find out for myself. We're begging you, don't do that. And so this is this is what Joshua was saying: is you got to choose whether you're gonna honor the Lord, the true God, or if you're gonna chase after these other things. And so the first step. The very first step to keep this slide from happening to where we go from believing in God to living our lives like God doesn't exist. The very first step to keep this slide from happening is you and I must make a choice daily to serve God and honor him. Do you remember the story of Daniel? Daniel knew that he was set in the king's palace and was going to have all the food from the king brought to him. And the Bible says that Daniel uh, decided in his heart that he would not sin against the Lord. Do you know when he made that decision? Before, before, before they set their ribeye in front of him. When he was in a room by himself, he made that decision. He didn't wait to the shiny thing was in front of him to go, do I really want to do this? Do I want to honor God or do I want to eat this ribeye? And so what Joshua is saying, the exact same thing, that you and I have to make the choice beforehand. We have to make the choice that we are going to honor God and serve him above all else. And nothing is going to distract us from him. And And the text gives us some ideas of how to do that. And very quickly, I'll walk you through this. If you make the choice to honor God and say, I'm going to serve God above all things. He's priority in my life. I'm not going to fall for the lie of money, power, and sex. I'm not going to fall for the lie of relationships. I'm not going to fall for the lie of anything else that tries to pretend to be my God. I am going to know that I'm only safe, I only have well-being in the one true God of heaven, and I've made the choice. As for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. If you've made that choice, I'm going to try to help you kind of keep that choice going and keep it happening in your life. First thing is, Uh, go public with your choice. Go public with your choice. If you look at the the story here of Joshua, Joshua told them to choose today. And then what did Joshua do about him? Did did Joshua announce his choice? Everybody say yes. Joshua announced his choice. You're like, what am I saying yes to? Joshua announced his choice. Joshua made it clear, I want to go public. I want you all to know, as for me and my house, and that public choice of Joshua, we've been echoing it for generations, for thousands of years now. Now, About 4,000 years, we've been echoing this choice, this public choice. That is the power of a public choice. It reverberates through all eternity. I know you don't believe me, but you haven't died yet and gone to heaven a public choice to say, I'm declaring that I will serve and honor God above all things. He is my safety. He is everything for me. That public choice will reverberate through all eternity. It will have effects on people. We need to go public with our choice. And I know we're all a little afraid to go public with our our faith. Uh, One of the reasons is we don't want to make other people feel weird. Anybody ever feel that way? You're like, I I was at a, a little hardware store the other day and and this guy that was working there, he's an older man, he, uh, man, he was cussing like a sailor, right? The whole time, like, he was just like, I mean, it was like, it was next level stuff, man, you know? He, I was in North Carolina, and I was like, where are you from? And he told me where he's from. Anybody want to guess that it wasn't in the South? And anyway, this is a side note. But he was just like going off, man. And I remember thinking, like, because he asked me, he said, like, what are you doing here? And I happened to be in town working on a writing um, a writing retreat with a buddy of mine, we write our sermons together and we were planning 24, 24 sermons. So we were at a house planning sermons for 2024. That's what we were doing here. But when he said, hey, what are, you guys, what are you guys up to? Why are you guys here? Why are you in this area? I was like, if I tell this guy, we're here planning sermons for our church, he's gonna feel about this big. Do you know what I mean? And so I didn't tell him. I was like, oh, we're just here working on, some, working on a project. You know, we just got some work, we gotta do work on a project. I, I didn't lie, but I didn't tell him the whole truth because I didn't, I felt this like weird thing. Like this guy's going to feel small and like all of a sudden it's going to get weird. And I didn't know what the right thing to do was. And maybe in hindsight you could be like, well, maybe you should have told him and he might've got saved. I don't, maybe so. I don't know. It was weird, man. And so it was just one of those moments where you're like, I don't want him to feel weird. And so I just, you know, I don't know. But so I get it. Like it's like sometimes you think going public with your faith is going to make other people feel weird. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to put them in, a, in an awkward position. And I understand that. But here's the deal. It, that's not why most of us don't go public with our faith. Most of us don't go public with our faith because we don't want to feel the pressure of other people knowing that we're believers in Jesus. Because as soon as your coworkers and your neighbors find out that you're a follower of Jesus, guess what they're going to start doing? Watching you, judging you is when you drop a tool at work and you say a word like my hardware store owner said, and they go, Oh, I thought you were a believer. I thought, What's about the Jesus stuff, bro? I mean, I even do it. Like, I watch a lot of golf on TV, and, uh, and Scottie Scheffler is a believer in Jesus. He loves Jesus. And one day, the microphone was on him, and he missed a putt, and he said a bad word. And I remember going, Come on, Scottie, like, get your act together, man. I'm like, what's wrong with me judging Scotty? Like, what am I doing? Like, I've been called to judge Scotty here in this moment. The point is, is that's a true reality. When we go public with our faith, one of the things we're afraid of is that we're going to feel the pressure of their judgment and we're going to feel the pressure of now, now we have to actually live consistently every single day like we're a follower of Jesus. We don't get to take a day off. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, before everybody knew I was a believer, I could kind of be like, I'm doing pretty good with the Jesus thing today. And if I wasn't doing good, nobody knew and everything was fine. And I'm preaching some stuff. You guys are like, yeah, how does he know this? Well, I used to, I didn't always work for a church. I used to work for, uh, I I ran an automobile repair repair shop. We had seven days and five techs. I mean, there was me and another guy that was a Christian in the shop. And when the word got around that I was a Christian and that I was a pastor, whoo, man. They would just, like, push my buttons with stuff. I worked for the TSA at the airport. You know, the guy in the blue uniform right this way, sir. You know, I, I did that for, like, four years. And whenever people found out I was a Christian and they found out I was a pastor, man, I was like a circus act to them. You know? They would just be like, man, I'd go up there and take my break and eat my little snack, and they'd come sit down with me. That's weird. You eat crackers just like us. thought you would have done it differently, like with a prayer and maybe some grape juice or something, you know, do that. The, the thing is, uh, I, I would get weird questions all the time because most of the people I worked with in both of those places, they didn't know Jesus. They didn't know anything about the church. They didn't know. They asked, and you think everybody knows. They don't, they don't know. Most of the people you work with don't know. They don't have a clue. I had a lady ask me one time, she goes, Stephen, can you help me understand churches? Like, who owns those? Like, Like, and what are you guys doing inside of those buildings on Sunday? Literally ask me that. Can you imagine? So guess what I told her? I said, hey, I'll tell you about that. And I told her all about it. And I said, love for you to come. Now, she didn't know I was a Christian. If I had not gone public with my faith, would I have had that conversation? No, because here's the thing. You're right. You're going to feel the pressure when you go public with your faith. But listen to me carefully. You ready? You ready? You ready? You need that pressure. You need need to feel every single inch of that pressure because that pressure keeps you going. That pressure is like, hey, I'm not just at work at wherever you're at work. I'm not just at Gulfstream. I'm not just running this business. I'm not just at the hospital. I'm not. No, I'm an ambassador for Christ everywhere I go. I am living for the glory and the fame of Jesus Christ. And so everywhere I go, I want people to know that my faith is real and that I serve the Lord God of heaven who created the heavens and the earth. And I want to feel the pressure of having to actually be genuine and authentic in my faith every single minute of every single day because I need that pressure to stay faithful to my choice. This is why going public with your faith is so critical for you to keep your choice because you feel the pressure to stay faithful to your choice. Now, let me make a quick caveat here real quick. A lot of times Christians can go public with their faith in a very arrogant and obnoxious and mean-spirited way. So quick caveat here. If that's you, you don't know that. See, that's the thing. No one thinks they're going public with their faith in an arrogant, mean-spirited, you know, uh, better self-righteous way, better than other self-righteous way. You don't, you wouldn't know that about yourself. You just think, hey man, I'm letting people know that I love Jesus. And so one of the things that I would encourage you to do as you make this commitment to go public with your faith is to really reflect hard and know deeply the gospel, which says this, that you came to know Jesus Christ as your savior not because you loved God but first John that he first loved you so we need the humility of heart we need the sense that hey i'm not better than anybody else because i became a christian I, I became a Christian because God sought me and he came after me and he opened my eyes to the truth of the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I can't get anybody saved if I wanted to anyway. And I can't walk around and act like I'm better than anybody because I, I was chosen by God who loves me to open my eyes so that I could then choose him. He moved on me with grace first. If we don't have that humility in our hearts when we go public with our faith, it will feel like to others that we're suggesting that we're better than them because of our faith. And we're not better than anyone. We were dead in our sins and God moved to save us. And had he not moved to save us, we would still be dead in our sins. And so that's the caveat about going public with your faith. So if you want to stick to your choice of serving God, make it public. Make it something that you talk about in humble, subtle, gentle ways. Uh, will people judge you? Yes. Will they look at you differently? Definitely. Will they talk to you at some point about a crisis in their life? You better believe it. Will they come to you and ask you questions about how Christianity works and what the whole thing's about? You can guarantee that's going to happen. That's the power of going public with your faith. Now, uh, the second thing to keep your choice, secondly, if you want your choice to stick to honor God, secondly, put it into practice. Put it in, so go public with your faith. Secondly, put your faith into practice. Put it into practice. Uh, Joshua, what does he tell the Israelites? He says, go home and throw your idols out. Now, most scholars believe that literally the Israelites were still, even though God was doing all this work among them, they still had in their tents, these little idols from their previous uh, religion exposure. And and the reason that that was still in many of these people's tents was because it is very difficult for even for us today to trust an invisible being we cannot see or touch for our safety and well-being. And they, they were an ancient people. So you can imagine how difficult it was for them because every other people group around them had a little statue or a little figure or something to bow down to and pray to for their safety. And Joshua says, hey, you got to put it into practice. And this is the practice you need to do. Go and throw out your idols. Put it into practice. And I think the way we can put our choice into practice is by serving God in intentional ways. Intentional. I mean, schedule it, commit to it, sign up for it, follow through, make it like a job, right? Just like you go to your job, make this important enough to stick to it. Volunteer with a ministry that serves the homeless in our city like Savannah Union Mission, or volunteer with Second Harvest to pack food, or the organization PAC that packs food for children on the weekends. Volunteer here at your church. Your, 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 your church. Can I say it one more time? Anybody get it? Volunteer at your church. Make it a part of your schedule and stick to that uh, commitment. Uh, Here's the thing. Anything you want to get good at, you have to practice. And if you want to get good at being committed to serving God, you have to practice serving God. And dude, we make it super easy around here. We just make it really easy uh, to to practice serving God. It's islandschristian.info. It says um, volunteer. You click on volunteer. And then I actually looked at this earlier today. Hold on. I don't have time for this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Um, It says uh, get involved, volunteering opportunities. Get involved. So I click on that. I'm gonna give you one to click on today. If you scroll down from there, right, you're gonna see one that says, children's check-in. Nobody's doing this. I almost kicked my stool over. Like, nobody's doing this. Why nobody's doing this? Adamschristian.info. Why are you not doing this? Everybody's looking at me still. They're like, you scroll down to children's check-in. You click on volunteer and children's check-in and, and you put in your name and your first name, last name, your email address, your phone number. And here's the why I would love for you to do that one today is because uh, we are three deep on that team and all three people couldn't be here today and two teenagers had to cover for us. Two of them are really sick. They want, This one's supposed to cover she got sick in the week. This one's supposed to cover she got sick this morning. Really sick. She's really sick. And then this one had a commitment to take her son where he's a standard bearer over at the landings at the club car championship golf tournament. The third one, by the way, is my wife. So this morning at like 7.30, she's like, I don't, I don't have anybody to do children's check-in. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, well, I'll just get Maddie to do it. So my 16-year-old, And another 16-year-old, staff member kids, they did children's check-in today. Now, I know most of you are volunteering somewhere, but some of you aren't. And let me tell you about children's check-in. If you can smile, if you can be nice to people, you can do it. If you are not nice to people, if you know you got a grumpy face, we got a cleanup crew we'd love to get you signed up on. It's fine. Not not everybody's happy. I get it. Like, we love you. Jesus loves you anyway. He he knows you. He knows you got this going on. But I'm telling you, there's somebody in this room right now who has the ability to be nice to people who could go islandschristian.info, get involved, click on uh, children's check-in, bada bing, bada bing. We're not three deep anymore. We're six deep. You see, it's easy. We make it easy. And you think, well, I mean, I don't have time. And I mean, I'm busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's everybody's life's full of priorities. And I've seen this dozens of times, dozens of times. I'm seeing it in our church right now. When people start serving God and they start giving of their time to God and making it a priority and practicing it, I see their faith grow. And then when I see their faith grow, you know what happens next? I see their families change. You know what happens next? I see their marriages get better. I see see all all kinds of things change. And it didn't start by coming and listening to sermons. I know that's hard to believe, as good as they are. I know you think, you're like, man, Yes, what you think it is, but that's not what it is. Believe it or not, sermons aren't really what's moving the needle in people's lives. It's the Holy Spirit working in them when they're serving other people. That's why my faith grows, because I'm serving you. And so when you start serving someone else, when you start serving and putting into practice what you claim to believe, which is I will serve God above all things, I'm going to put that into practice, then God says, oh, look at you doing that. I'm going to reveal more of myself to you. I'm going to let you see more of what I'm doing in this world. I'm going to let you in more of what's going on. And you begin to grow in your faith when you put it into practice. So you got to put it into practice. And the last one, the the last one, so we have, go public, put it into practice. And the last one is, um, I don't like alliteration, so I did not choose a P. The last one is connect in community. Connect in community. If we want to make our choice stick, you and I have to connect with other believers who've also made that choice. Nothing, I mean nothing, will help you stick with your choice to serve God more than being in a community with other people who are serving God. Nothing, nothing will do more than that. Remember Joshua in this text is not speaking to an individual. He's speaking to a community and he's calling a community to together, be in community and serve God together. So it's really important for you if you're a believer, I'm wrapping this up, I promise. It's really important if you're a believer to have friends who are also believers. It's really, really, really important especially if you follow my first advice, which is go public with your faith. Because if you go public with your faith, you're going to feel that pressure and that pressure is going to come in on you. And then you're eventually going to need some people to help you stay faithful and to stay courageous. And they're going to encourage you and come alongside you. They're going to pray for you. They're going to be there for you. When you think, oh, I just don't know how much longer God has disappointed me over and over again. Like all the things you wrestle with, they're going to be there with you. you. I cannot overstate this enough. You and I need Christian community, believers that we're in community with. But here's the problem. The problem is most of us who are attending online, who are sitting in the room, listening to the podcast, most of us do not invest in Christian community with other believers. And then we all of a sudden need Christian community with other believers because we're going through a crisis and we've never invested in it. And it just doesn't work that way. You can't add water, mix it up, put it in the microwave, and have Christian community. Just doesn't. I know you think, well, I go to church. Well, if we don't know you, we don't know you. We don't know you. You see, to to stick to your choice to serve God, you and I need to be in Christian community. And, and, And if we It's one of those things that we need to be investing in relationships, investing in community with other Christians, investing in Christian relationships with other believers. We need to be investing in those long before we need them. In other words, we need to be investing in and pouring into those relationships when other people need us and serving them and giving to them so that one day when we need them, guess what they're going to do? They're going to be there. That's how it works. And I'm telling you, if you're going to stay faithful, to your choice. You have to make time to be in Christian community with other believers. So if someone invites you to a Bible study, say yes. Go. Get rid of something else in your schedule. If someone invites you to a small group, say yes. If someone at work says, hey, a few of us are going to get together before work and have prayer just before the workday, say, everybody, say yes. But it's even, I don't want to get to work 30 minutes early to pray with co-workers. Then I guess your choice, I guess you're not that committed to your choice. It's just that simple. It's not complicated. Will it be a sacrifice? Yes. Will it be an investment of your time? Yes. But you will have a better chance of maintaining your commitment to God and trusting Him over all the idols that tempt our heart if we connect with other believers. Is it uncomfortable? Yes. Is it weird? Yes, do it anyway. We also make that easy. Guess where you go? Islandschristian.info. Islandschristian.info. Connect in a group. We make it easy. We're doing everything we can. Um, Joshua leads the way for us, guys. He leads the way. Joshua said, I've made my choice. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And do you remember in week one, I said that Jesus' name was actually Joshua, Yeshua, Joshua? And you know what, friend? Jesus leads the way for you in this moment. Jesus also made a choice. We see that choice throughout the Gospels, but one pronounced place is in a garden, right before his arrest. And he says to his father, Father, He's sweating, drops of blood. His friends that are supposed to be praying for him are sleeping. The capillaries under his skin have bursted. He's under so much stress. And Jesus says, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, then let it be that way. But not my will be done, but your will be done. And by Jesus making a Choice to serve God over the idols and over the things that were tempting Him, you and I now have had our sins forgiven, have been made righteous with God, and are secure and safe for all eternity through our faith in Christ. His choice did this for us. And friend, your choice, Jesus will help you make the choice. He will lead you in the way to go public to practice it, and to connect with other believers. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Chris is going to be up here if you'd like to pray with someone. He'd love to pray with you. Miss <clears throat> Laura is over here as well. She would love to pray with you as well. And um, if anything you need praying for, anything you just want to talk to somebody about, they'll be here to talk with you. They'll be here to pray for you. If you just want to say, hey, pray for my aunt, pray for my cousin, they'd love to pray with you. I prayed with a lady before church today for her daughter. pray with Miss Sandy today before church for her daughter. Like, Just come and let them pray. Like, we'd love to pray with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this moment that we have as a church to remember uh, Joshua's words. Choose this day. Choose this day who we will serve. And then help us, Lord, to stick to our choice by going public, by practicing practicing it, and by connecting with other believers. And God, let us remember that we follow a leader in Jesus who's done all this for us. He's done it on our behalf. We simply are following him. He is strong and courageous. And he is a trustworthy leader. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.